Hello, this is Mike. Welcome to the ACL Pro Melbourne Wrap-Up. I'm joining me is Wooly and Frey Forge. Hello, guys. Welcome this evening. Hey. Thank you for having me. No worries. It's always good to have you. Uh, managed to uh, meet, well, see you again, Dan. It's been uh, quite a few years since I've seen you and actually met you, Wooly, which is good. So, um, yeah. All right. Um, let's start. We're going to run through... Um, group by group and we'll just go through all the teams to discuss that weekend um so we'll start off with and funnily enough the, we'll go with the number one seed in group a which was skyfire who ended up winning it so evidently a pretty good weekend for them um woolly start off with your thoughts on uh, on skyfire who was who was good who was bad that sort of stuff um well we thought you know tux was the question mark going in and he turned up. He was really, really good. Yeah. One of the best players on that team, along with Zusi, of course, Chris Awau, and um, PDG, and of course, Lightstep. They all had their moments as well. Uh, but they didn't really have any problems. They dropped a map to Trident in the groups, and they dropped a map to Scythe in the semis. But apart from that, they were undefeated. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah well it, it's hard to fault someone who's who, who comes out on top really but yeah um yeah it's, it's obviously Dan you were pretty convinced that Tux was going to show up so uh, we need to start backing your predictions right there <laughs> yeah well, about time I got them right I mean <laughs> you would have probably recalled the prediction video when I first spoke about them I've had a hard time placing them for competitions going back you know half a year now mm-hmm. um you know right back before they had Tux, this is Atletico times. But I know from my time with Tux and Frey, he's a, he's actually a good player. Like he's not the most experienced player, but that's going to come with time. Mm. Um, and I and I knew from watching him play that although he's got that shady past, um, he he knows what he's doing. And, and and as it turns out, he's actually a really high quality player, and he's proved that over the weekend. Hmm. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So um, yeah, I thought Tux played really well. Um, obviously, he's in the team to frag. And he did a lot of that, um, and not just eco frags as well, which is good. Zuzi's uh, entries were just like he was solid for most of the tournament, and he had uh, like he just had these small bursts of rounds where he just went nuts on the entries, and he'd pick up two or three just insane headshots on the entry frags. So well played to Zuzi. Um, what did you guys think of Lightstep's orping? Um, I didn't catch too much of Lightstep, um, <laughs> which I mean may speak of. Uh, how he went for the comp like I didn't notice him being really bad didn't notice him really good um, you know so the fact that they won yeah, you can't yeah. say too much bad about it but he wasn't a standout like he like could have been or like some orbs are in, in a lot of teams yeah really? yeah pre- pre- I feel pretty much the same it's a bit funny after I, I saw talk to him after the um, after the whole event and he was a bit uh, he <laughs> Annoyed at the fact that I said I talked down his orping. Hmm. Um, I think he had one decent map, and that was what he was harping on about at me in yeah. quite, quite extravagant detail. But um, yeah, like I think more it was his. He had really solid map picks, uh, side picks, and um, some really solid calls as well from round to round. Yeah. So he he made him. I think he he needs to not worry so much about his brawn and talk up his brain I think a bit more yeah I, I would have to say that um, I thought that Skyfire played the veto the veto situation the best out of every team there I think I don't think there was a map where um, 
their veto uh, like out of everyone i think they did the best and i don't think there was ever a scenario where the veto went particularly poorly for them they were always in that sort of area where they could um be competitive on the opposition's match, map at least and be fairly dominant on the one that they picked as well so uh, i thought that was a really a big strength from then um yeah yeah uh, all right. Well, it's, it's probably all we can really talk about those guys because, um, yeah, like we said, they've done very well. And congrats again to the Skyfly boys for uh, for winning up there. Um, I suppose we haven't spoken about the PDG, which is probably a little bit of a shame considering the the large size of his personality. Um, uh, <laughs> his harmonica account was through the roof. He, he dominated that, um, and he had a lot of fun. But that sort of reflects on his uh, his. Uh, influence within the team as well um, and the mentality and you mentioned this I think it was you that mentioned this on, on the weekend Willie is that the mentality within, this, within this, the team is very important as well as your, your raw ability so uh, yeah. hats off to Petey who um, admittedly I think it was on Dust 2 in the final where they stomped him 16-2 I think it was he had like three frags for the map <laughs> but uh, and he was like oh perhaps I should stop focusing on the harmonica play <laughs> No, like if we talk about Skyfire, there's one player I think who probably didn't have such a good tournament and normally plays quite well, and it's Chris Owell. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but like from, from a spectating point of view, I didn't think he, he played as good as he has in the past. Uh, but that being said, I've put pretty high standards on him because I've read him for quite a while now. Uh, Willie? Um, I didn't think he really needed to. Tux and Zusi were doing so much heavy lifting, he never really had an opportunity to... Like I, I, he just didn't. It wasn't necessary. He, I, he just had played smart, solid CS. That's what PD. I think that's what Pete and him bring to the team so well. Is they're just solid, consistent fraggers. They're not really there to outshine anyone. They're just more the um, launching board for Tux and Zusi. Yeah, I thought um, Chris had uh, probably on the Saturday. I think he was. Uh, I'm not going to say better than he was on the Sunday, but I think he had some really good patches in each match just just a small round or two where he'd sort of burst out but yeah, yeah. He, potentially he's probably down a little bit on his regular output but I mean when you got Zuzi's your entry fragger and I mean he was just snapping heads left and right so yeah. maybe so, he was I wonder, I wonder if that means Chris is going to have a reduced role in the team when you when you factor all that in yeah he could end up being their clutch guy because he made a couple of good clutches by memory um so he could end up being a guy who's who's sort of last alive, you know, in those sorts of scenarios, and it comes up clutch quite a bit because he managed to do that on a few times. All right, I think we can uh, we can move on. Let's go to ooh, who's next? Number two seed, Exile Five. What a shocker of a weekend for these blokes. Um, mm. Forge, where would you start with those guys? <laughs> I was I was pretty disappointed. Um, you might recall I predicted them to do quite well. Mm. Um, and I think that they themselves would be quite disappointed with how they went. Um, I was amazed that they didn't get out of groups. It's tough to, tough to talk about. Yeah, and it's just also the sort of the fashion. We're going to look back through their results. They, they were able to get up Molotov. They had the forfeit uh, for the first map and 16-12 and overpass on the second map. And they actually lost 10-ish rounds in a row in that map. Um, on the T side, I think it was, they, there was a big tilt in that match. So they were storming, they were 11-2 up, and then they ended up winning 16-12. So, um, yeah, it was very interesting in that respect. Um, the next one was the Skyfire, which Skyfire beat them 16-5 on train and then Mirage, and that was just a stomping all round. 
and then Trident beat them on Cache, and then there was the old forfeit after that. So, which is an interesting point on the uh, on its own. So those results, I mean, once you you look at it, really, um, just not in the league for Div One there um, for for this this event. Um, Wooly, where do you think it sort of went wrong for him, really? Um, it's really hard to say. I don't think they even know what went wrong for them. Um, when I watched their games, just no one was really doing anything. I mean, Destiny had occasionally... He would occasionally have moments where he shone, but those were very few and far between. We didn't see Ofnu step up to his regular level. Raz didn't get to orb for some reason. Gaza was picking up it up. I, I don't know why that yeah, was. He orped a little initially on... Uh, was it Cage? I think it was. Mm, yeah, he was orping a little bit early on in the maps. But like you said, he just kind of dropped it off, oh, which is weird. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was overpass. I'm pretty sure... That's, that's they played um, uh, Molotov first. Yeah. Right? No, I'm thinking this might have been that. the try. Anyway, um, I, yeah, I was yeah. pretty sure it was Case. Yeah, and it worked all down. But like you said, Gas was taken up, which is fine. I mean, Gas has been a good opera in the past. But, I mean, if you take the orb away from Raz, like, what's his role in the team? Yeah, exactly. You know? I think that that was sort of it. They just... Maybe they didn't come in with the best plan or they, they had a... They thought it would be really easy for them. They didn't, they didn't have any. They didn't have to worry about preparing anything. I don't know. I check. I check their results now. And look, I mean, they lose to Skyfire. Fine. It's a bit of a coin flip. You probably don't expect them to get beaten so badly. 16-5, 16-5. I think what really hurt them was losing to Trident. Sixteen thirteen. Um, well, that was and the I last mean, yeah, exactly right. And the forfeit, well, well, this is this is it. Like, they win that. If they win that matchup, they go through. Losing that one map is kind of what's cost them their whole tournament. And, uh, yeah, that's true. You kind of have to, I think that something needs to be said about forfeiting that second game. Like, I know it's a dead rubber, but what sort of attitude is that? Like, Yeah, 100%. And that's sort of the part I sort of touched on initially. It's like, if you, I know you're out of it and it's a dead rubber, but um, you still want to put up, you know, like, even if it's for your own... I guess for your own personal mental battle, if you can win a map off Trident at the end there, um, you're not you're not going out on the tournament on this massive bummer low because you've just beaten, you lost to the last the last chance uh, invite guys, um, and you know you got stomped by the, the the team that you're expected to compete and, and beat. So, um, and I guess that's kind of going to um, tie into the rumored player movement. Uh, Wooly, I think, who were you saying again it was? Um, well, I've seen STV has tagged up, and it looks like Raz is out X5. Yeah, okay. Mm. I wonder what that means for Ferg. For example, STV yeah. and Ferg are both in-game leaders, and they both got good reputations of being strong in-game leaders. So is there room for both of them? Because, I mean, no offense to, say, Ferg, for example, but his fragging capability compared to the rest of the team isn't probably where it's at. And so can you carry two in-game leaders? I don't know. Well, I guess it might be a case of his recent form being slightly down because he's been doing the leading. Because um, I think he, he certainly got the potential there to be out of frag pretty strongly. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for X5, really. Um, they need to, to bounce back, and hopefully it's for this weekend. Um, but I don't know, um, what about the Gaza ex experiment? And I mean, Gaza's been around, so he's got so much experience, but uh, he's tried before to put it into CSGO, and it hasn't quite worked out for him. 
We played them the other night, and they still. This was when they still had Raz, and I was surprised because I'd heard that the team wasn't going to stick around in its current form, and they were pracking. You know, what's that? A night or two ago, so um, you know, up till then they were still fine and kicking around. Um, so I think this move with STV has only been recent. Uh, in terms of gas and everything, as far as I know, he's sticking around as well. Yeah, right. it'll be interesting to see how they come. And uh, I don't know because it was such a, a large sort of defeat. I don't know exactly how much you can really look um, into like what's going on, you know, within the team because there was there was complete lack of chemistry uh, for the day, and it's just sort of like, well, you know, if you're playing some, you know, let's say. Um, I'll go just quickly on Chiefs. You could never say that Chiefs' performance on the weekend was was because of um, Sico not playing well. So, like, Sico's off his standout. There was no one in X5 on the weekend for me who was an obvious um, standout for a bad reason, you know what I mean? So, um, I'm a big fan of teams sticking together and and getting the chemistry going and all that. Um, But there's some questions that need to be asked for X5, I think. Um, and, and the Gazza experiments one because his output hasn't been <coughs> great. Obviously, if Raz drops and STVs in, then um, how long do you give that to go? Or you know, um, hey, did, did anyone know the group results? Did they go out from rounds, or was it map map losses? Or it'd be map losses, right? Because yeah. I was going to say if it was rounds, that sixteen twelve to keep them all top really hurts a bit because you'd probably expect them to beat them a bit more than sixteen twelve, but yeah. Well, they, yeah, they had to be. They had to be trying to work to get out of groups. So I imagine right. if they lost one map, then that's probably why they. You know, okay. For the last yeah, one. no problem. Yeah. All right. Any other um, final thoughts, yeah. Willie? Yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, so the Gaza thing. I think he actually played better at this event than he did at ACL Sydney. But with a team playing that bad around you, it's hard to notice that. And I think on the STV thing, hope. I hope. My hope is that STV brings some structure to that lineup mm. because there doesn't seem to be any at this point. Yeah. Um, well, I guess... They're all really strong individual players and I think you're right, Ferg could probably start fragging if he doesn't have to worry about in-game leading or at least he could be like an entry fragger or a lurker because I've seen him do that, both of those things quite well. Um, at least well enough that, you know, that, um, you know, Destiny or Ofnu could trade frag him or he, he could just hold a flank just fine, I think. Yeah. With the other four working somewhere else, but... I'd probably put... Um, I'd probably leave Destiny in, a, in like, a lurky role and then uh, have Ofnu as your fragger and, and um, Fergus as your second in. Um, yeah, and, then, and, and also then... probably best I want to be clear, I'm not knocking on Fergus as a player. I think, obviously, being the in-game leader impacts his ability to get the frags. It's not a question of Kenny or Kanye, but... If he if he doesn't improve and he's not in game leading, what does that mean for them? Because I don't know what Steve's like as a player. I haven't watched him in a long time. But if you're kind of carrying two players that play at an in game leader level, it's going to be pretty tough for them. Absolutely, real good point. All right, let's uh, let's roll on the next team. Uh, let's go with Molotov. So a um, bit of a poor weekend for him. Um, a terrible start, you could say, with a four for loss, uh, and that was due to public transport issues and then not allowing enough time to get to the venue um disappointing for them obviously a real poor way to start off the weekend um their results are sort of they were competitive um for the most part i mean uh, sorry they're competitive against uh, xl5 obviously only narrowly narrowly narrowingly losing i can't even talk um <laughs> 16-13 and 16-14 against Trident, so that's strong, and that was Dust2 and Cash, and then um, 
against Skyfire 16.5, 16.6, Mirage and Cobble respectively, which uh, going against Skyfire and the form they're in, that was, um, that's pretty reasonable for them. So um, I didn't get to see a lot of these guys play due to the casting arrangements and the fact that they weren't playing, uh, they didn't play much on, on stage. So I haven't seen a lot of this, these guys play. Um, Wooly, did you manage to catch a little bit more than I did, hopefully? Yeah, well, I casted the Molotov Skyfire games, mm. and um, I caught a few of the other games as well when I had my breaks, because um, I'm, I'm friends with a few of them. Yeah. And they, they have them, like, every one of those players can have their moments, but they just sort of lack a bit of consistency. So there were like heaps of rounds where Noobster would just get like three kills out of nowhere or like um, Zequence would just get a massive 2k or something or, or AJK would just open a bomb site up completely or, uh, with Kalth. But then they just couldn't close out rounds. Like they, they, they would more often than not be in the advantageous position early and then they would just lose out. And like you could see it was affecting them quite negatively you know yeah. sort of psychologically because they real they they're smart enough players to realize that they were losing winnable rounds mm. so um yeah i felt pretty bad for them um they like you said they had a lot of close games you know of you know if if they got to play a few more maps who knows what could have happened or if they you know did get to play that first map against xl5 maybe they would have won it so sort of feel for them a little bit but do you do any work with them i think you mentioned you do a bit of coaching for them or something is that right no, that was or animal squad uh, no and animal squad I, I tried to do stuff with animal squad but uh they they weren't 100 percent. can't get that easy kid to listen right i know he's, he's ridiculous he's the worst one by far um no they're like we just we just had con sort of conflicting styles i guess um which is fine. that's okay like, wrong team so we'll talk about animal squad later i guess but yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Molotov, yeah, I, I haven't really. They they they're pretty set in their ways. It's just they have um, very conflicting schedules, I think, so they don't get to practice as much as they want to, which is a bit of a shame. So hopefully they can work that out and sort of maximize the time they do have together because we have seen them in the past do do pretty amazing things. I mean, the fact they made it to this Nats, yeah. um, they beat Vox in the qualifiers. Let's not forget. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Dan, did you? Uh, did he? He probably didn't get to catch much of the games because they were off stream. Did you catch the ones against uh, Skyfire? No, I didn't get to watch much. But I'm looking at their results now, and I mean, I I think I haven't really hid that I don't rate Molotov as well as some of the other teams that were competing here. However, I go in and I look at their results, and they almost beat Trident yeah. twice. So. Um, you know, if you take and, and they did really well against X5. So if you take away that forfeit. What are they putting up? 16, 12, 16, 13, 16, 14. Like, the stomp, they got stomped by Skyfire, but Skyfire stomped most teams throughout. So, in hindsight, as much as, like, I mean, they got no wins, but if you, if you, you know, tallied their rounds or if you were just checking their individual maps, they did quite good. Um, especially, say, for example, from my point of view, where if you, if you probably rate them towards the lower side of all the teams there, um, all of a sudden their results don't look so bad. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I wish I could talk a little bit more on these guys, um, but like I said, I didn't get a real good chance to watch them. I think I was trying to was throw some lunch down my throat when they were playing. Um, but uh, moving forward for them, uh, these guys aren't obviously aren't one of these teams that are probably going to drop a player just out of the whim um, due to the nature of how, how long they've been together in that tight. So uh, really, I, I just wanted, I guess, going forward for them is just have another good crack. I think, I think it's important for them to be competitive in Div 1 this season. 
um, you don't want to be just making up the numbers. Uh, and certainly they're capable of it. Um, you know, if they're competing strongly against teams like the X5 and, and Trident, who are now, what, probably top four of us, <laughs> um, you know, it's not a bad showing for them. So I, I think the thing about Molotov is uh, it seems from an outsider's point of view, they've always been a team who doesn't take their CS as seriously as other teams. And uh, to be doing as well as they do considering that, if, if they were to suddenly flick a switch and start paying attention or putting a bit more effort or caring a bit more, I guess is maybe the right choice of words, who knows what they could do. So they're an interesting team to talk about, but it's frustrating that they're probably not as serious as some of the other teams that, that, that play. Well, by the sounds of what Willie says, it's not so much the series, it's the uh, scheduling uh, that, that makes it hard for them. And, um, we, yeah, I think yeah. it's probably more, not necessarily how serious they are, it's um, how many sacrifices they make. They're, probably, they're not really willing to, to make the sacrifices, maybe other teams, or they don't have the opportunity uh, to make the sacrifices that other teams do, because yeah. um, they're all—I'm pretty sure they're all uni students, and they all have, most of them have girlfriends and jobs, the, and jobs as well. As well yeah. yeah, and they're yeah. very family orientated as well. I think so. Yeah, I know that pain. Like, um, I've got a full-time job and a kid and a wife and all that, so it gets hard to do these things sometimes. Anyway, uh, yeah, keep going, Molotov. Give it a good crack. Uh, not far off getting getting maps and all that sort of stuff. And always remember, that, and this is their first nationals as well. So you cannot knock the the effort that they have and the results they got based on this being their first nationals. So um, I think we'll move on. Uh, for those who are watching us live on Twitch, um, feel free to ask us any questions or bring up any points you want us to chat about as well. Um, we keep an eye on the chat at the moment. So. Uh, moving on to our second place getters, Team Trident. So they started off on uh, a 9-16 loss to... Sorry, hang on. Uh, did they win the cache one against Skyfire? I've got to remember now. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, so they, so won, they won every cache map they played. Yeah, so 16-9 on cache and then 9-16 uh, on Mirage to Skyfire. They cache beat... Cards. Yeah, they beat uh, Trident six. So they beat Molotov sixteen thirteen, sixteen fourteen on Cache, Dust two and Cache, and then the X five was sixteen thirteen Cache, and then the forfeit win after that. Um, so five and one for the group, which is uh, very good. And then moving on to the semis, they play the Voximinor, um, which was the eleven sixteen Cobble loss, then the sixteen three Cache, sixteen five Dust two Steamroll. Um, over, over Vox Seminar. and then in the final they got romped on Dust 2 16-2 um, and then they narrowly lost on Mirage which was a cranker of a map um, overall uh, these guys came out of nowhere and they rode a massive wave of momentum through the weekend um, and it was just of, I really feel like there was just uh, there was break and burn are you okay he just rocked up on, on the first day Lonsdale was calling very strongly as well um, it was just this massive wave of momentum from Trident. They just kept rolling map after map after map. Um, and, uh, yeah, Wooly, uh, what were your thoughts on the Trident, guys? Um, huge props to them. Um, but I think they got... Either Lonsdale is, like, a genius beyond my comprehension or they got a little bit lucky in the groups because they got to play Cache three times in groups... And they got to play Dust 2 twice, and they got to play Mirage once, which are their three, those are the three maps that they want to play. 
Like if you that if you're trying, those are the three maps you want to play. So, and I think they got to start T side on nearly all of them, which they love yeah, to do as but well. But it's controlling your veto isn't really luck. I mean, especially no, on those maps. That that's the thing. They're the only yeah, but that's off. that's. I feel like that's a bit of a skill that maybe a lot of Aussie teams haven't wrapped their heads around yet. Controlling your vetoes, um, it's it's a big part of it's a big part of the game. I reckon and it's probably yeah, a bit absolutely. underrated. I completely agree, and that's that's my point. Sort of trying we're the only team to really do this in the groups, like Skyfire to an extent did, but they still played like two extra maps that they never play. Every other yeah. team played maps that they don't play in the I would groups. Say, I would say Skyfire has a better map pool and used it effectively. Yeah, Tryon had a smaller true. map pool, but used the vetoes more. Or potentially even got lucky a little bit in the vetoes as well. Yeah, I think it was like a little bit of everyone sort of underestimating them, thinking, oh, it doesn't matter what we play uh, against them, we're going to win. That's mm. probably what every team thought. Um, except I would say Molotov knew they probably gave them a bit more respect after the Skyfire win. But they thought the only map, like the only maps that Molotov really play, Arcation, Dust Two, and Mirage. I'm pretty sure Arcation, yeah. Dust Two, which are the maps that Trident want to play. So they're probably they were probably happy to get Arcation, Dust Two as well. But then, yeah, it just didn't match up. Yeah, uh, Pizza Shack uh, on the chat says, uh, and I assume this is relating to Trident. They did nothing tactically smart. They just entered and traded really well on the day. Uh, I would agree that they definitely entered and traded really well on the day. That's a hundred percent. Forge, do you think um, tactically was was Lonsdale doing well, or, or was it? Um, you know. Well, I have I have a I, I spoke to you guys about it on the day. I have a point of view on the way they're playing because I noticed from an opposition point of view, I played them a bit in the last you know six months. They seem to have changed their game up a bit. Um, what what I noticed is they seemed to do no executes from the start of a round, no set plays, um, and I could be wrong, or at least they didn't do many of them. Um, so what happens is if you play a pick and split and you're just playing map control like T-side, if you hit your picks, you, you generally, it's, it's quite simple to make the correct call. And so you can come off looking quite smart. The problem is if you don't hit your picks, all of a sudden you look, you can look stupid, you can look lost, you can look like you've got no strat. So, I mean, you can't argue Lonsdale made the right calls, but it's easy to make the right calls when you're playing across the map and you're hitting all your picks. Um, so it's a bit of a double-edged sword there, I guess. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, whatever they're doing, it worked really well for them. Um, mm. And when you when you show up and you're hitting your picks, it's going to be hard to, to really make, to make a mess of it. Um, and, and they didn't. They played really well. Um, but I think it might be hard for them going forwards because all of a sudden now everybody knows they're playing the slow split and pick style, a lot of map control. Um, I wonder how many times it was a case of CPs pushing in where they shouldn't be um, or, you know, just playing lazy um, and then kind of playing to try to hands a bit that way. Um, will that keep happening for them? Probably not. So, but it, I don't even know if that's a hundred percent a factor, you know, uh, I think it, I think, though, it's important to know that they definitely changed the way they were playing um, once they settled into that comp. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. And they certainly are 100% right. I don't remember too many executes or, or any at all. And But the thing is, is, like you said, when you hit those shots, you might as well go on that, that play style. Like, well, I change it up if it's working for you. Um, and uh, really, um, and, and that point about getting them getting found out potentially and, and this is the thing you look at um 
I guess you could look at Cloud9 as an example. Um, they were, they were, you know, they were Cloud9. They got scooted, blah blah blah. They were doing okay, and then out of nowhere, they started demolishing some teams like Fnatic and whatnot. And that was on the back of good counter strategies and all that sort of stuff. But then since we've seen that period, they've dropped off quite a bit again. Um, so I would argue that the international scene has figured Cloud9 out to an extent as well. And I think that that's going to happen uh, by the smarter teams, the teams that are going to put in a little bit of effort and preparation coming in, which is what you need to do as a leader in particular. Skyfire will probably figure them out even more. Um, uh, probably Vox will figure them out as well as another one. Immunity will have them covered for sure, not only in terms of skill but in terms of, of reading their maps and whatnot. So there's um, there's probably going to be a drop off for Triton again. Um, it could be another um, uh, another while before we see this lot of that high level of play from them and being able to make it into a grand final. Well, I think they're they're struggling in there too, but they've been struggling up until prior to this weekend. So it's going to be on them to show that it's not just a case of, I guess, one weekend wonders or one comp wonders. They need to start getting consistent with their results. And so if they can go around beating Div 1 teams, why why can't they beat, you know, Div 2 teams in CGP or CG in Cybergame on Div 2? It'll be interesting to see how they go. I think, like, looking at their results... um, a lot of it was almost to be expected. I mean, up until their semi-final against Vox, which is where, and I mean that one map against X5, but I wonder how tilted X5 were after getting stomped by Skyfire so hard. Because I kind of feel like they must have been to just throw that second map in, in the forfeit bin and just walk out. So, I mean, when I look at their results, it's it's the, the, the beatdown on Vox that really got them um, where they finished in the tournament and made the tournament for them. Um, outside of that, they, they probably just played as expected besides that one Vox matchup on Cache, which is, you know, as everyone's discussed, a really good map for them. Uh, Willie, I saw you, saw you making puzzling faces when I was talking. Speak your mind. Um, I was just going to say, like, uh, Trident, um, I think what they nailed, what, what no other team really has nailed to this extent, is aggressive almost relentlessly aggressive, like, COD-level aggression, just holding W and shooting T-side play. Just aggressive T-side play. That's what they, they absolutely nailed. And that's and those that style of play works just really, really well on maps like Cache and Dust2. And the thing is, literally no team saw them as a threat, so they didn't think to ban these maps, or they didn't know enough about them maybe to ban these maps. Mm-hmm. Even when Vox played them in the semifinal, they didn't ban Cache or Dust2. Um, so I just got to clarify because from what I saw and what I know, they didn't seem to play very aggressive T side cage. It felt to me like they were playing, you know, back a bit, a lot of map control, getting the picks, and then and then just playing the correct call. Like it's I not think like they got they their picks entering a side when, like you know, so it was like, like like maybe like like to an extent, I like I see what you're saying, but I don't think it was like one guy walking out getting a pick and then them falling back and then deciding where to hit a site. It was like wherever they got the pick, that's where they would go. Yeah. And and they and then that's where the, the hammer came down and Vox could do nothing to stop it. Any no s- teams could really do anything to stop it. Yeah, I think they slowed down a little bit from Saturday to Sunday. 
as well. I think on Saturday in the group stages, they were probably a little more aggressive on that momentum a little bit. On, on Sunday, they just, it took them a little while to get to the Vox game, but being Cobble, of course. Um, but, yeah. What did um, you guys think about that Vox game? Do you think it was uh, like Vox win that first map? They won comfortably, they're in control, and then they just shit the bed two maps running. Like, Do you think it was tried going hard, or do you think it was Vox dropping the ball? Uh, it was a bit of both, I think. Yeah. Um, because this is something that we can't ignore either. Trident in, I think, every knife round on Sunday slash kills. Because they knew every team was going to pick CT side on, like, every map. Yeah. Ex except Skyfire picked T side on Dust2 and then absolutely romped them. Mm. So, their C so Trident CT side is nothing really special, but they were so confident in their T side and so confident that they knew, like, that's just confidence right they just know that's what their opponent's going to do and they know they can do something with whatever their opponent's going to give them so um i think it was like vox maybe not yeah not reading uh, yeah definitely underestimating them. that's that's as simple as it is I, think. I have a different point of view on them slash killing in the ninth rounds so i don't think you watch trident play and, and i think if anyone were to go back and watch the demos i don't think you watch this highly structured well-organized you know planned t side they were Splitting and like, and I'm open to being wrong on this, but it seemed to me they were splitting and picking and just making the right calls. But like you, you say that, um, and, and what works for them, and the whole thing around slash killing on your knife rounds is that their attitude is, we don't give a fuck. We'll play whatever side we want, you know, whatever side yeah. you want us to play. And that attitude translates into the game where mm. um, it's not. I, I I felt like personally, it's not like they're confident um, because they've got this really well organized T side. It's that. It's just this attitude of we'll play whatever side you want us to play. We're just here to play. We're just here to have a good time. Yeah. And, and that attitude kind of fed their, their play style. And I feel like it translated into them having a really good comp. Um, because if you play like that, you're never going to get really majorly tilted. Like, I think they got a bit of a shock that first map against Skyfire. But you watch them regroup and they just went back into, into the same yeah. kind of attitude they had all comp. And they were really comfortable, um, really happy to be there, just having a good old time. And, and I think that you know that fed through into their results yeah and i think i think the point about them starting t-side it allows them to control the speed of the game and that's and that's the big thing for them if if they feel like they're in control then they're going to be able to affect their that pick play a little better or whatever it happens to be you know like but if they start on ct um like they did against um skyfire and skyfire in great form obviously um on in the final there then um, the speed of the game gets dictated to them and they're on their weaker side. And so then it's harder for them to get that momentum train kind of rolling as well. So, Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said, Forge. Like it was, I think it was both. I think they knew they would get T-side in that series against Vox because they got T-side on all three maps. They got T-side on Cobble, T-side on Cache, T-side on Dust2. Yeah. And... Um, Skyfire were the only ones to respect them enough to pick T side on Dust Two, yeah. um, and then they picked CT side on Mirage. And look at the dif if you look at the difference between those two maps, it was sixteen two on as Forge is the walking out, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was sixteen two on Dust Two when Trident was starting CT, and then sixteen yeah. fourteen on Mirage when Trident was starting T. Yeah. So like like that that in one series right that difference is just crazy. That's just how good like I think Trident yeah like and that's the thing right. I agree with what um, that guy said in the chat. Like they weren't doing anything that special. They themselves. I asked them like how they were feeling, and they were like I, they were like we can't believe no one beat us until the grand final. 
because they they weren't at all like blown like they didn't think they had anything special they would like it's like yeah like i think it was both things like forge you're absolutely right they were so confident and they were just like we're going to like we we don't care what happens. Like Break bought a, got a Zeus kill. Aiden got a knife kill against Fox. Spoiler, that was like, like you're absolutely right. They just they did not care at yeah. all, and that definitely translated into their play. But I don't think I think we would have seen a completely different tournament if anyone picked C uh, T side first against yeah. Triton. Yeah. Um, a good point from Hetic as well. Uh, Aiden played a really big part with the AWP up until the final matches, basically. Yeah. yeah, so Aiden was real good in group stages, but he did fall off in the grand final a bit. Uh, and that's to be understood. It's not a knock on him as a player. He played very well, and obviously he can certainly do it on land. There was one map he only died four times or something. It was a Vox, maybe? Yeah. He really was yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, yeah. but then in, in that grand final, he wasn't quite hitting those shots, that, as he was the rest of the, yeah. the tournament. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to do it for the 10th map running yeah, yeah pretty much yeah um peter yeah. shack i uh, would just ask the stats on the custom maps they played and this is all thanks to woolly as well these ones as well so uh trident played four maps on cache and won them all they played one on cobble uh, which they lost they lost played three on dust two which they won two lost one two mirage losses and that was all the maps they played so thanks to Wooly for putting those together. I'm not taking any credit for that one. I'm just reading them out here. Um, nice. So yeah, congratulations to the Trident guys. A uh, really good weekend of CS from you, and I hope you guys can back it up because you've thrown a real spanner into the standings of Div One uh, in in Australia. And yeah, I mean, if you have that confidence, um, you can really you can really stick it to a lot of teams. And if they can back up that confidence and that play style and mold it and get a probably a better slightly better structure going and pick up the yeah. ct ct side of it they could be a, a team really to um to, to watch out for you know i think it's really important for them to just not to drop the ball with uh div 2 now um they have to you know solidify what they've done on the weekend they don't necessarily have to come out and start winning every competition they play but i think it's important that they don't lose to these lower ranked div 2 teams like they've been doing up till now yeah no worries. All right, let's move on to Group B, uh, which is a much more interesting group overall. Uh, we'll start with the number one seed, which was Chiefs, who did not have the most favourable of weekends. Um, these guys were pretty pretty confident going in. Um, they said they had a good uh, boot camp on the Friday, um, and they tried to expand their map pool a little bit as well in the lead-up to it, which was good because they were obviously very strong on the Dust 2 in particular mirage is pretty good for them um those sorts of things but then obviously cache is a little bit iffy for chiefs um but their results um they had a, a one one tie with scythe 16 9 and inferno before losing 7 16 on overpass and i will add that the overpass map they had no strats for at all um and they were parking it basically and then scythe were SYF were properly prepared for it uh, and that reflected very heavily in the gameplay as well um, the next one was Animal Squad which they 2 zipped 16-2 on Mirage 16-10 on Cache and then the Voxium and all match which is the one I missed because it was quite late uh, was 9-16 on Cobble and 14-16 on Dust 2 so they only needed to win one of those and they would have been through to the second day and I think they basically missed out on, on it by like a round i heard um so 
Yeah. Uh, for for me, for the the ones the maps that I saw, Seco uh, was huge. Um, Dan's was not the player he has been online. Um, I'm not calling him an onliner, but he was not consistent. There is a there is a difference there, um, despite what PDG will probably tell us. Um, uh, Herbs was probably down on his input. Uh, Wizard stood up pretty well, I thought, and then Blackout um, was patchy i guess you could say he had some good points but generally probably a little bit lower than what i would expect from him uh woolly how did you see the chiefs go on the weekend um obviously pretty pretty strong favorites to get out of groups um yeah i think it's 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 sort of what i expected which feels sort of bad saying um they just it felt like they came in maybe a little underprepared I think they did way. I think they actually did better than they did at ACL Sydney, but not by probably as much as they were hoping. Like they definitely have the potential to get. They definitely have the potential to get out of this group, but um, I think the fact that I think it was um, yeah X Five and um, no X Five was in the other group. Scythe and Animal um, Squad. Animal Squad. Yes, I think it's more Scythe and Vox. The fact they were throwing they were throwing some interesting picks and bands in there. So Chiefs ended up playing one of every map but Train, and I'm sure Chiefs aren't drilled on six out of seven, six out of the seven maps. No. So that's I think sort of that's part of what messed them up a little bit. Um, so they probably didn't necessarily know which, like again, which um, maps to ban against who. Yeah, and obviously um, I can't remember. One of the guys said to me um, that they were, they were against SYF. They were going to veto overpass. But then they got caught up in the mentality of I think they wanted to second guess themselves. Yeah, second guess themselves because and and they vetoed. I can't remember what they vetoed. They vetoed vetoed cobble. Yeah, they vetoed cobble um, um, instead of overpass. And I know that the chief guys, uh, especially Blackout, likes cobble and they like playing cobble. So I'm not sure why they'd veto cobble. Like, anyway, might be trained. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. But anyway, um. Yeah, overpass kind of set the tone for the up and down weekend there, um, and they made another tactical uh, error on. That's right, they didn't veto. Like, maybe they vetoed overpass against Vox Seminor, uh, even though Vox had played Cobble a couple of times and were really strong on it before. And I thought that was a tactical error, uh, not vetoing off Cobble, which is evidently something that Vox prepared very well for and were very good throughout the tournament on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Vox went three zero. Throughout the tournament, yeah, with on cobble, and so. they were all sixteen eight-ish type results. Yeah, they were quite cobble. strong. Yeah, quite so. handy leads. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, ban your chat, Mike. Um, yeah, sorry, Chiefs. I don't know, man. Tough tournament for them. I think that they were, funnily enough, one of the strongest teams I watched play all weekend. Um, they seem to, in hindsight, had. A, or have had a major issue controlling their veto because, or, or maybe their preparation wasn't quite right. Because like it's interesting you say they they boot camped and they spent time trying to expand their map pool, but then they play one of the most varied map pools. Like they played a, a good mix of maps and come out behind in the groups. So I'm wondering if maybe they shouldn't have been concentrating so hard on expanding their map pool and spend a bit more time. Not that it's something you can practice or, or prepare for, but just control their vetoes a bit better. Um, so the, the thing with their results, I watched them play against Scythe. They smashed them convincingly on Inferno. Yep. 
Um, and overpass was like, look, you start T-side overpass and if you're not prepared for it, it's a bitch and I'm out. And they got stomped for that reason. Um, so that's that's a major, like, it's not a major blemish, but that's the blemish on, on their weekend pretty much. They convincingly beat Animal Squad, 16-2 Mirage, 16-10 Cache, like convincingly beat them. And then you get to Vox, right? And you play Cobble, you lose 16-9 on Cobble. And I'm wondering how they end up playing Cobble and Overpass. Like, no, they played Dust 2 as a second map. Yeah, I, un- I understand that. But oh, what, yeah, what sorry, I'm saying yeah, is yeah. In, for the whole map pool, like, yeah. if, like I, don't, I don't quite understand how they, how they end up playing. Well, this is the thing, right? Is You need a six map pool in the, in the best of two format because it's ban, ban, pick, pick. So you can only veto one. So you, you really, if you want to compete, and this is where Skyfire was probably the best prepared out of everybody, is um, I would say, even though they probably didn't play as varied maps as another team, is that you need to um, you need to have to play the six maps because then you can just veto one map if you want to go on that strategy. Mm. Uh, um, so yeah, and I spoke about it on the uh, on the stream at the time. It's like yeah, they're, they're making tactically poor decisions that are putting them down going into these maps. So, yeah. Well, well, you, you you look at their last map, fourteen, sixteen, dust two. I mean, Vox hadn't been playing that good in the lead up. They didn't play that good overall, and in, in, in like compared to what you'd expect from them, I would say that losing dust two was. I was watching that game, and I'm pretty sure Chiefs were in front for a lot of. Is that is that right? And it felt like they were struggling to close out the map, or maybe I'm mixing it up. But it was. I, I think it was. I, I casted that game. If I remember correctly, it was really back and forth. And, yeah, um, I, I remember watching the Chiefs game, and it, felt end, like, yeah. and it felt like they were just struggling to close. And in the end, it really hurt them because what they miss out on groups by one round. And, and I stand by that they were one of the stronger teams I watched all weekend. So I was amazed they didn't get out of groups. And you know, predictably, they were shattered about it. Um, not a good weekend. <laughs> you need to be getting out of groups when you're one of the top two seeds in your group. Yeah. Um, I don't think they had the same issues they had at the last tournament with translating their online play to land. They all played really good. Seco played really good. Mm, it's it just wasn't their tournament. Um, I think there's a big lesson in there for them around you know their map pool, controlling their vetoes, and, and trying to isolate the maps they're playing and and just coming in a bit better prepared. You don't need to spread yourself so thin that you end up losing maps like you know across the groups the way they did. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I really, really enjoyed the fact that we had Bam Bam, uh, Bam, Bam Pick Pick uh, in groups because it really it blows the map pool open and we saw, we saw a lot more. We saw overpasses. We saw uh, a couple of a match on train. We saw Cobble a few times. It's good. It's it's no longer just us two Mirage Cash, which is good because it's going to make the scene stronger overall because you remember um, Renegades can play probably five maps out of the seven pretty well um i would say and they're they're the benchmark so um you need to be able to play five to six maps well Um, if if you're playing bam bam pick pick right you just pick two maps in the pool that you don't want to play and and you just you concentrate on everything but that you only get one veto yeah so you only get the one veto yeah it's you, so you, you ban, you ban one. Sorry, I hear, I hear what you're saying. When you're saying ban, ban, it's not ban, ban per team. So yeah, it's just yeah. the format that's hurt them then. So, yeah. okay, so like it kind of ruins a bit of what I was talking about. But I No, mean, no, at, at the, the same time, point, at the same time, you've got a perfectly valid point and it's like, why would you keep Cobble in for Vox? Mm. Um, if they've, I mean, they just stomped SYF 16-8 uh, on it and then I think they played somebody else before that as well. 
No, yeah. they didn't. Sorry. Anyway, they, uh, well, mis- misunderstanding the format of the comp doesn't change the, the no, bottom no, line. The bottom line is that they didn't control the way they were, and you know the maps they're playing as well as they could have, and so I think that hurt them overall. I think they just need to fix their map pool and then their map selection, and they'll be fine. They're a very, very strong team. Yeah, they've got a lot of potential there, and we spoke about this before, um, you know, last week before the tournament, or a couple of weeks back before the tournament. All the potentials there, um, they just probably need to, they need to stay together, uh, focus, um, and yeah, I think they'll be a lot better for it. Uh, Willie, any closing points or any more points about these guys? Um, I was just going to say, sort of building on what you guys were talking about in terms of the, the picks and bans, you either need to come in having those six maps that you can play against any team or you need to know what the other team wants to pick so you can ban it. Um, and that's not how these, like the, I think everyone sort of came in, most teams came into the tournament not realizing the v- pick veto, uh, the ban and pick process um, and thought maybe it would be sort of similar to best of three or whatever. So mm-hmm. they would get at least two bans and it would sort of work out in their favor or it would be like a best of three without the last map playing, right? So you'd like ban, 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 pick, pick or something. So they thought, oh, we only need, you know, we'll get a map, no worries. And then they, it was sort of, you know, forced on them a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, all right, well, I guess, you know, we, we, we have to, they probably didn't think of it through nearly enough. I think that's what, you know, I think that's where Skyfire and Trident and even Vox to us an extent, and, and Scythe as well stood out because these guys definitely came in with a plan around their picks and bands. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and and this is a point that um, the, the shelled guys made um, on their first episode about about veto strategy, and basically it, it boils down to two things: you either veto to your strengths, or you veto try to veto to um, exploit the enemy's weaknesses. So um, there's a few teams that were doing the latter, but mainly people were trying to just veto the one map they were really bad at, or in Chief's case, playing overpass anyway. Or, or, or copying the overpass anyway. I think on, on Chiefs, right, this is the thing. They're a very strong team and they've had two disappointing comps in a row. They wouldn't want to have a third disappointing comp because it's not going to be a good look. Yeah. So, and a high-level player they bring to the table. I rate them probably in the top five in Australia pretty comfortably and mm. they're not pulling results like that on, on land. So they need to remedy that ASAP. Yeah, that's a good point. Um and I've, this is actually another thing that we're talking about Chiefs um, I'm not sure that their current team structure is working for them um, I don't want to um, I'm not really I haven't said this to, to Tom to Blackouts to him directly um, so don't think that surprise Blackout <laughs> don't think that I'm trying to go behind your back here or anything mate but um, I'm not 100% sure that, that his style of gameplay is set out for IGL um, and I'm not saying that he's a poor in-game leader or anything like that, but um, yeah, look, I, I don't know whether it, I don't know whether is, he is suited to the in-game leader role or whether they need to change it up. Sicko is obviously all that's great. Herbs uh, um, is a really good lurker. Um, yeah, I'm not sure whether Tom can do is really doing like maybe entry and in-game leader, which is, is odd. And then it kind of leads up to Wizard as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, something for them to think about. I don't know. What did you think about that sort of point there, Wally? Um, I don't know. I, I don't really watch Blackout that much. I'm, I, I usually watch um, Dan's, Herbs, and Sicko because those are, the in you know in my, in my opinion, the three best players on the team. And they make really, like, they're, I think they're, even though they are really good players, 
they're probably not given the credit they deserve. Dan's makes some really smart plays, and he's just so cool under pressure, which is really rare for someone his his age. He's quite young. Depends if you read Dan's LFT thread after he got kicked and came back or left and came back. You'd think he was the second coming of Jesus. I think he's, <laughs> he's quite well well liked and respected. Um, but yeah, you know, carry on. I just wanted to make a lot. Well, I, I just can't <laughs> sing. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just can't sing his praises enough. I guess. Um, but but yeah, no. Um, I think you can in, uh, in-game lead from an entry role, but it, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably of all the roles, it's the least ideal. Uh, yeah. But. That doesn't mean that it, they can't make it work. I think really, like, the thing about Chiefs that I like is they probably are the only team that are really, really good at making fast, aggressive, unpredictable plays on mm. both sides on any map. That's, That's one thing that I've seen. Like, the rounds that they win are just when they completely no-respect their opponent. And it's just like, it's ridiculous that they, they, they get away with this stuff. And I think that's why they're like some of the more experienced players, they really resent the Chiefs, that they have this this goal almost that they can just you know out of nowhere push anywhere and get two kills out of it and like because you know if if um these more experienced players had that skill they'd probably be way better in like in renegades or immunity or something right so they they definitely resent them for that and that's what's that's so the what i think they need to work on really is just like their teamwork and their executes and their slow play because i never really see them do like occasionally i see them do really good team play but their slow play and their and their executes, I think, can definitely be better. Like they're not, they just don't have the basics down for those two things. But yeah, their aggressive play is what makes them a great team. For them. Yeah, yeah. I think they need to go and have a look at what went wrong against Fox, fix it up. Their their top team, they they just need to start getting results that reflect that. As soon as they get the demos, I think they'll they'll learn a lot. And that's another thing I love about them is their incredibly open to criticism and constructive criticism and they want to learn and get better they're very serious about learning and getting better wizard Um, wizard in particular is on that front um he he's very open for constructive criticism and and really he wants to learn a lot about the game um and i think that kind of reflects in his play a lot of it as well so all right, uh, let's roll on. Uh, hello, and a big come on to Zuzi as well. He's been begging for one in chat. He got one out of Forge, but I'm not sure that counts. Uh, hey, one sec. Come on, Layton, you're style. Here we go. It's a running, it's a running gag. There's an old YouTube clip going around of someone making a fool of themselves doing something like that. All right, well, there you go. Thanks for explaining that one. All right, let's shift on to... Let's go with uh, Animal Squad. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, a, uh, a tale of one map and, and everything else almost. Um, 16-2 Inferno against Vox, uh, stomping a really strong CT side on Inferno to start off with, and then they lost 9-16 Dust 2 on, against Vox. The Chiefs domed them on Mirage 16-2, and then 16-10 on Cage, which is not so bad. And then 16-11 loss on S to SYF on Overpass, and then 16-9 on Mirage. I would say that the results almost don't really um, reflect some of the impact of those losses. I would I would say um, the losses seemed a lot harsher in real life than they are on paper. Forge, would you agree with that one? I think I don't know. It's, it's, like, look, I think they had a bad tournament, like in summary, 
Um, I think they would have been a bit down by the time they got around to playing SYF because I would have predicted them to at least, you know, win a map or, like, I mean, realistically, I should say they win that matchup, but you come into that game three losses on the trot and you're probably not in the best state of mind and I think that sums up their tournament. I don't think they dealt with the losses that they eventually copped very well because um, they're certainly... Uh, a team that's full of high-level players, and they had a really shit tournament. Yeah, uh, Wooly. Can, uh, can, yeah. can you can you do any more grand analysis other than shit tournament? Uh, <laughs> which I'm not saying is a bad analysis. Oh, we so. can go into it in more detail, but you know that's that's, yeah. that's the long and the short of it. No, it shit is. Tournament. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Good I players, think, shit tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Forge is pretty on point really and i'm sure even animal squad would admit the same thing um i i thought they would do really well in this group um uh and probably like i think a lot of people thought they would win the whole tournament um so it's pretty crazy that they didn't even make it out of the groups um and they didn't even yeah like like you said like uh i think the the 16 9 loss against vox on dust 2 that started with them down 13-2 or 12-3. So, yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, So, like, yeah, so, yeah, it wasn't a good tournament for them at all. And I think they were sort of the opposite for Trident in a a way. This is my theory, at least. I don't know because I didn't get to watch all of their games. But I think they had really, really strong CT sides, but they started T side on nearly every map in the groups. They started CT side on Inferno and they romped, and I think yeah. that's why they romped because they just they have a really strong CT side because they have these experienced, individually strong and sound players. But I think maybe they just couldn't get their T side rolling in the way that they had in practice, and I think that's just because um, apart from Moku and Saib, these five players haven't really played together that for that long, hmm. and. Um, and I think that's probably what hurt them on the T side. They just didn't have that teamwork, and they might have been p- trying to play a game that they weren't prepared to play um, just yet. Maybe they were, I don't know, trying to go too fancy or not not fancy. Like that's what I saw actually on Dust Two when they tried to do stuff on T side. It was never just a simple default into gain control of an area, then do a take or something. They tried to fake out with smokes and flashes. Tried to like take fights, probably where I thought they shouldn't have. Um, and they just would die too easily often. And then they would have to do something in a 4v5 scenario where they'd already given away too much information. Um, I heard they could count in the lead up. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, guys, I saw them if you guys want to keep there. going, I'm just going to have to jump off for a sec. I'll be right back. No worries. Naughty Mike. <laughs> but look, look I, I, as far as I know, they, they practiced a lot in the lead up. Um, they, yeah, they did. They boot camped and they yeah. were very keen. Um, so I think it just started there. Just uh, I think they got unlucky to an extent, but that doesn't excuse it. They definitely they know what they did wrong. I would say they. I didn't get enough of a chance to watch too much of their games, but um, I spoke to a couple of them on the Sunday, and I, like I mean, obviously it goes without saying they're all disappointing because, um, as everybody probably expected, they you know didn't perform to the level they're capable of. I had them getting out of groups. Um, so that didn't happen. Um, and, and it's not only that they didn't get out of groups, it's that they lost a lot of games that I didn't expect them to lose. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like Chiefs, fine, fair enough. But 16-2, that's a stomping. 
um, Sifis where they really, you know, let themselves down. And we've got, you know, I'm sure a lot to speak about uh, when Mike comes back around, uh, you know, the infamous perceived throw from side. I've got to wonder, you know, where their heads are at coming into that Sif game. And even if you go, okay, they weren't in the best frame of mind, it's kind of understandable. They lose three on the trot. Um, but that's that's not really... It's not, if you if you if you let those losses get to you, you're going to have the results they had, and you can't expect anything, you know, better than than that. So yeah. I think that their big problem was they didn't deal with their losses very well at all. Yeah, definitely. I think they probably took the, their losses a lot harder than any other team would have, um, just have because they. One second, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so those of you out there on the internet, um, yeah, I just think Animal Squad maybe they just took took their losses a lot harder than a lot of teams would have just because they had such high expectations for themselves and they do criti- they're very uh, judgmental of themselves or very self self critical I guess judgmental is probably the wrong word like it's not a bad thing it's just um it can be I guess and in this case it was but in saying that I think animal squad probably um, I'd be very surprised if animal squad were to have a repeat performance at the next event or or the next online event. I think they definitely have the potential to bounce back from this where um, and and they they can def- definitely do well at the next event. Would you agree, Mike? Who are we talking about still? <laughs> Animal Squad. Yeah, no, no, they certainly they- can rebound. Uh, did you talk about uh, a, a Moku being like his first event as a leader? Because it was his first oh, no. event. Because no, no. that's obviously going to take quite a bit um of sort of bit of a focus you know what i mean like it's it's hard to to step into the leader role uh and then it's even harder to do it going into a nationals competition so i think we could probably um yeah we could probably factor that into the performance a little bit as well especially since the cc sides were stronger which doesn't require as much um focus on uh yeah you know um tactics and all that sort of business yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, oh, it's good to see Forge has started off as well. This is going real well. So sorry yeah. <laughs> for, for me jumping off my daughter. wouldn't go to sleep. She's two. And she's been not sleeping for about an hour and a half now. So that's always real good. That's what um, you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, she did have a long nap today. But we digress. Let's let's keep back on. Uh, let's go on to Vox Imanor, um, who had a <clears throat> pretty good tournament. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but at the same time, there's some, I don't want to say underperformance issues there, but there's definitely some issues within that team. Um, and we'll get on to that uh, results-wise first. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let's go with uh, Dan. Welcome back. We're on to Vox now. We're just starting, so you haven't missed anything. Um, Vox first map or first matchup was against Animal Squad, which we spoke about. There's a 16-2 smashing on Inferno, but then a 16-9 win on uh, Dust2. And then we have uh, against SYF, 16-8 on Cobble, and then a 14-16 loss on Dust2. And then the Chiefs victory, 16-9 Cobble, 16-14 Dust2. Going into the second day, uh, we've spoken about this, but we'll refresh the results against Trident, which is a 16-11 win on Cobble. And then the 3-16 loss on Cache, 5-16 loss on Dust2. Uh, overall, uh, for Vox, uh, a little up and down. Um, evidently very well prepared on Cobble, which is good to see. Um, 
pretty comfortable on dust too uh, all in all um, uh, I think um, the best player for them for me Cosy uh, well, led pretty well we'll start with that I thought Cosy led pretty well throughout the weekend um, we'll start with that Wooly what do you reckon yeah definitely um, I think of all the teams um, Vox even including Skyfire, um, I think Vox made the smartest plays on T-side. Um, Skyfire definitely had their moments, and no disrespect to Lightstep, but I think Cozzy maybe made some better plays. But in saying that, I think Vox's picks and bans, um, especially in the semi-final against Trident, were a little questionable. Yeah, obviously they were picking Cobble because they were well prepared on that, which is, is great, but... Uh, I can't remember what else they vetoed, but letting Kaishin. And then they let Kaishin, and then they didn't end us too for some reason. I guess because they had played it a few times already, the tournament. Yeah, they're probably confident on it. So they were confident. Yeah, yeah that's a good point there as well. Um, all right. Um, Moe, um, part time Warper. Um, actually, sorry, we'll, we'll go back to Cosy. Uh, Dan, do you have anything to say on Cosy uh, as a leader and whatnot from what you saw? Uh, I think, like Wooly said, they made good calls uh, throughout the tournament. It's uh, out of all the top teams, they probably try and implement a bit more structure into their game than the other teams do. Um, however, I think try of not trying sorry, Vox's biggest issue is the time that they've had together, especially with the new players in that particular lineup. Um, I mean, Vox, in summary, they probably would like to think and and and, and should be at that top three top four level um but they've had a bumpy bumpy road leading into this comp and their and their end results probably uh bumpy as well so they got a bit of work to do um but i think like i mean to answer your original question because he because he made some good calls if that was who was calling for them i'm, I'm not sure who their in-game leader is but their, Cossie, yeah. yeah their t-side play is pretty solid um a lot of a lot of good decisions being made and they don't rush into things take their time methodical play but it, kind of hits a bit of speed humps and most of that seems to be because they've had two lineup changes in the last month or two uh you know they just need yeah. time to embed some of their play together yeah i thought the, the newest edition and, and speaking about team structure as well which is sort of what i was starting to get onto as well the newest edition uh aries was good uh i thought he played uh i don't know whether it's um uh, huge or anything but whatnot but he was pretty consistent throughout the tournament I thought so uh, definitely no points off him in his first um, first real showing with those guys so thought he played well um, Moe being the part-time all part um, and this is where structure wise um, I start to have a little bit of an issue not the issue with their team but I have a different opinion to how it's structured at the moment I think they need to get a full-time all part and Moe can be that second all part um, where situations call for it think him only orping half time um and no, not having a dedicated orp it kind of hurts them a little bit um and i would like to see them uh i would like to see someone pick up that role within that team um and speaking of that um uh there is some rumors that there are going to be a lineup change within vox again uh, and it's interesting because the the message that comes out of vox is that they want a long-term team uh, if you look at what they've sort of put out in press releases and, and what they've spoken about before as well. So again, um, if they want this long-term team, but then they're going to make another player change, it's like, the, is, the, is the tail wagging the dog in this instance? Like, what's going on here, you know? So, um, 
as long as they back their, their players in to be the right long-term players, it's okay to mm. shuffle about. Um, but you don't want to be doing it, you know, in another six months. Like, while they've yeah. now made the initial changes, perhaps this is something they've had in mind for a while, but you can't do it leading into a competition. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's okay for them to settle, uh, you know, one or two, or maybe not two, they've already done two, but, you know, one more player, lock him in, and you don't want to be seeing it again in another three, four, five, six months, um, especially if they're, you know, putting out this whole long-term plan but i think they're making all the right noises at least um yeah yeah and, and having having the mentality of a long-term plan is definitely what you need uh, in australia so yes this, this stuff doesn't happen overnight it, it takes time um and and they evidently want to challenge for that top two position including immunity and renegades that sort of area so um uh teddy t didn't have a great day on sunday and and it's um and he was, and looking at him, he was disjointed from the team. But um, and there is a, a very good reason for that. He was involved yeah. in a car crash on Saturday night, so it's disappointing that he wasn't able to put in more on the Sunday. And who knows, it could have gone slightly different there. So, um, thankfully, obviously he was all right, which is a good part of it. But obviously, he was a bit affected by it all. Um, so, anyway, uh, Wooly, other thoughts about Vox? Um, the, yeah, Moe's semi all pro Teddy T. Well, we won't talk about Teddy T because he's got a legit excuse in that thing. Um, Aries, how did he go? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you you both hit the nails. Like you basically covered all the points that I thought were important. Like Cozzy, I think is a great in game leader and he's making all the right moves. Um, there were mistakes made this tournament by them, but they're definitely going to learn from that. Uh, Aries absolutely stepped up and I hope they do stick it out with him because mm. he's just like, not only is he a solid player and he fills that role perfectly that they need, um, but he definitely has the potential to, like, he, he, he brings up the team, I think. He's, he's an absolutely, like, he's a really uh, positive force, I think, mm. um, for what I, from what I've seen anyway. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right. They need a Norpa. Um, Moe is like I. That's what I like. Moe is a great all-round player, and like I think that's what he he thinks of himself as. But you're right; they need someone who can pick up that orb and just uh, dominate with it. Um, at least on the CT side, like you know, T side orping, we don't see great T side orpers that much anymore. Um, they're sort of few and far between. But that yeah, that doesn't mean that they can't find someone solid. Um, it is slim pickings out there. I don't really yeah, envy them. That's true. Um, oh, there's good so, players out there. You just gotta, you just gotta be able to grab them from other teams. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta yeah. burn a few bridges, upset yeah, a few so, people, kill yeah. a few teams. But hey, if you're in that long-term mindset, I, I think the important thing for Vox, yeah. Vox probably were going into this comp with half, half or a quarter of an eye on what their next comp's going to be like, um, considering the shakeup they had coming into this and. Uh, Aries is actually, I rate him quite highly ever since I played my first CSGO land. Like I've seen he's a very strong player, a uh, very capable player, but he's been in a lot of teams since then and he doesn't seem to sit still. So is that a question mark on him or is it just the environment he's been in? I don't know. Like, I mean, I hope it's just the environment. So this is a good one for him and he can stick around and play to his, you know, play to his best capability because he's a very good player. Um, and I was I was skeptical about Cozzy when he first came back because I don't know him all that well. Like I know him from point six, but um, like I personally didn't know his level of commitment. Like was he able to come back and give it all he's got? Because 
to play at that level you, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. Um, and if he can stay committed, like we've seen it doesn't work with other players. Like we've seen Teddy T, Gaza, you know, other players come back in and they don't play to the level that they're capable of playing. And it's presumably because their, you know, lifestyle doesn't allow it. Mm. Um, but if Kozie can put in the hours he needs to, um, he's a great pickup for them. Um, so now they've just got to work out that final piece of their puzzle. Like I, I think what I saw all weekend was um, good foundations for a good long-term game plan. The issues they ran into seem to be because you've got, you know, two new guys in a lineup that haven't had a lot of time with the, you know, the core five and, and, and that seemed to be their main issue rather than, you know, poor play or bad choices or somebody not being on, irrespective of the fact that Teddy T had a bad Sunday. Like, I mean, like you said, yeah, there's yeah. a very good reason for that. Yeah, no worries. I think, yeah, I can't think of anything else we could really talk about there. So if they are going to make a change, hopefully it's an offer for me because I reckon that'll help structure up their team a little better and it could pay dividends, but we'll see. We'll see what they want to do, whether they are actually going to make a change or not. It's all rumoured at this stage. So... Yeah, uh, I'm quite sure that something will be done from what I'm hearing, but let me know. There you go. Well, I yeah. guess where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. Um, so, uh, but obviously we'll wait to see what comes out of the Vox Emerald camp uh, coming up. And they don't have a lot of time to make the change because Crown Invitationals qualifies on this weekend. It's Shout a good out point. CS does not stop right now. No, it is constant. You barely anyway. get time to practice. Yeah, well, anyway, there's nothing like match practice, so... Yep. All right, let's go on to our last, our last team to talk about, which is SYF, Shut Your Face Gaming. And they had a, a really good weekend, um, in, both in terms of exceeding their expectations that people had for them and, and just general their play as well. Um, they, they played very well. Their results, um, so they had the 9-16 uh, loss to Chiefs on Inferno to start with and then a 16-7 overhouse victory. Good map pick by them. We've spoken about the other side of that. Against Fox, they went 1-1. One one. They lost Cobble 8-16, but then 16-14 on Dust 2. And then SYF 2-zip, Animal scored 16-11, overpass 16-9 Mirage. On to the second day, playing against Skyfire. Um, they had uh, transportation issues. With, which means a forfeit loss for the first map, which would have been Cache on the pick system, I think it was going to be. So I think it was going to be Cache. Do yeah. you remember that? I've seen, I've seen um, chats, some good banter flying around in there, uh, on, just on Vox. Right. I'm, I'm not sure what the first map was going to be, though, no, sorry. Yeah, okay. Anyway, we'll get away with that. Um, all right, so... Uh, yeah, so but then fourteen sixteen on cobble and then sixteen uh, five five sixteen on train. So um, overall, a really good tournament for them. As I said, uh, we'll start off with my pick for them, who I thought played really really well uh, was Dexter. I thought he was really solid. Um, his timing was probably off on a few lurks, but I thought his CT sides were really good and he was super sharp. Uh, Willie, I'll start off with you, mate. Uh, what do you think of, of Dexter and, and SYF in general? Um, yeah, you got to give, give Dexter some props because this was his first nationals, and yeah. I don't think he's been playing for like more than like six or tw like not even a year. Like he's been playing less time than I have, and he's already had, he's already gone to a Nats and come third slash fourth. And like you sort of have to wonder what would have happened within that Skyfire match because that cobble game was 
a ridiculous comeback <laughs> if they play that first map because I know I don't think um, SYF really play train that much or maybe they just weren't ready on uh, as as drilled on train as they were on cobble. Um, but I do really like the team. Gunlock is a is a really solid in game leader. Um, he's clearly done a lot of work and that. And one thing that I really liked about this team, actually, um, uh, Karath and I alluded to it a little bit with Vox, uh, Trident, and Skyfire. These these teams all have a great energy and play really positive and, and stay positive even when the chips are down. Um, SYF were like that as well. There was one round where they, lo they lost on train when they were down like 11-4 or something, and Dexter was trying to save in a 1v5, so they were going to lose the round. And he got two kills, and they were like, nice! They were like really into it. And I was like, that's just insane to see. You don't see that. Like, I know some other teams, they would have just, they would have not even acknowledged the, the fact that he got two kills and saved the gun, right? Yeah. Or they would have just been like, nice. And then they would have gone into the next round. They were so hyped up, and it was great to see. Um, I, I really want to see what this team can do um, going ahead. Yeah, um, that's a really good uh, mentality to have. Um, we spoke about we've spoken a little bit about the mental side of, of Counter Strike in here, but having that um, that encouragement and, and good vibes, I guess you could put it down to within the team, even in those small situations where it doesn't seem to, to matter a lot. It's good to see that they're backing each other and, and keeping the energy flying, even in a round that they've lost. So, uh, 4G, what do you yeah. reckon about these guys? <laughs> Sith, uh, apparently, have... technically, it is SYF just for the record. Mm. Apparently, but you can just call them whatever they like. So, don't care that yeah. much. Yeah. Those semantics—they're so important. In, yeah. in these <laughs> I think Sith have uh, been riding a wave of just consistently um, exceeding expectations. So, if you go back for three months ago, they were like an average Div Two team who were competing with Div One teams. And, and, and then, you know, they start to pull good results in ODCs. They start to beat Div 1 teams. And the thing that they've done differently to other teams who get in that position is they've built off that and kept it going. And so now they're a Div 1 team and, you know, they're, they're putting in good performances in Nationals. And I think um, the thing about SIF uh, is that um, they, from what I see, uh, they play a basic game, but they've got the fundamentals... Uh, to a level that's quite high, you know, they trade well, they aim well, they have a good attitude, but they're not highly tactical and, you know, they're not so much sharper than their opposition, but they've got those three things I mentioned, like their teamwork, their trading, and, you know, their aim at a level that, that gets them by in a lot of games, and I think it's holding them in good stead and it's going to help them get good results. So now the onus is on them to stick together, build off that, and you know, become an even stronger team. And if they, you know, keep going in the direction they've, they've, they've headed, they're, you know, they're trending upwards um, at a rate that other teams aren't. So good future in store for them. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple got a couple PMs floating around about um, what's happening. Apparently Jokes is looking for team now and Mardu's being added to the box roster. Don't know how legit all this is. I haven't checked it, but oh. just thought I'd share it. Scoops. I think, think Mato would just be a stand-in. A sub, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I think that Teddy T can't play the qualifier this weekend, so um, he there could just go. be a stand-in. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's the case. Um, yeah, in terms of how far the SYF can go, I mean, where is their skill cap? Uh, every team has a skill cap. Um, and obviously, the, they've got some really young players on that team. Um, how old's um, Mungo? 
<laughs> he looks much younger than he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but in terms of experience... And he's definitely in his teens. Well, he he, he well, might good. be early 20s. Um, yeah. but, I thought you were going to say he was like 12. Or... No. <laughs> just, he has to be 12. But looks he's quite mature for his age, I think. He's, he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, but, not online, at least. I remember a young Gaza who, who used to talk a lot of smack <laughs> online who uh, who was also quite young at the time but anyway he turned out alright Sif's picked up a lot of good up and comers like they had uh, Squishy and you know who have moved on to Vital um, they were good players they've had Dexter who was probably the strongest of the three of them um, and then they've surrounded them with you know really strong experienced players like Mont and couple older players have been around a bit longer so hmm. certainly uh, a lot of potential yeah awesome uh apparently mungo is 18 is what twitch chat is telling me so i'll believe that as well uh, not having a go you there mate um all right i think that's about about wraps it up Willie, did you have anything more to say about uh syf sif syfe shut your face yeah. gaming um i was just gonna say it's kind of interesting to see Mont. I think he's he's probably he probably has the best stat for being to so many nationals, but always being in a different team every time. Um, the only one, the only player I can think of that might like compete is probably Moku Apoc, but yeah, Apoc's but... usually filling in, whereas Mont's in the core lineup. And then he like so so Mont was in Vox, and then he was in Chiefs before that, I think, and he's been in a few other lineups, but he always like gets kicked and then comes back and still does well. So like I I really hope he actually stays in this lineup because maybe that's what's sort of been keeping him at the level that he's at. Yeah. Um it's just it's pretty funny to see like that he just he's so regularly like it just always seems to happen. He always gets kicked and then comes back and he's just there you know, you just can't keep this kid down apparently. Yeah. I think on skill alone he's a very tough he's obviously a strong player. He keeps getting yeah. teams where he ends up in, you know, competitions uh, and, and, and does, you know, quite well at them. Um, but I think the challenge for him is to find a team where he can settle in and get comfortable and stick around for a while. He had a good run at Noxious, but hasn't quite settled in since he left the old Noxious lineup up until, yeah, I guess, right. recently with Sif. Yeah, so it was Vox and Nox before that, then Chiefs before that. So, like, and those were, like... I think the difference between with, with these three and Saif is Saif is obviously a lot of these. This is mainly up and comers. These aren't. Whereas those three teams were experienced yeah, well players. Yeah. yeah, well established. So they probably took a risk on Mont, and they were like, "This isn't going to pay off." But now the difference is like, Mont is one of the star players and one of the most experienced players on that roster. So they shouldn't ever think about getting rid of them. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah. Well. We know what the uh, the Australian CS roulette wheel of players is like, so yeah, it's not a new. There's thing. a problem. Yeah, that's the that seems to be the o Oceania way of fixing a problem. If you've got a problem with your team, just kick someone, mm. and then everything will get it will be magically better. And we get that that's, sweet that's little. That's apparently how it works. We get that sweet little honeymoon period where everything's all nice and new and fluffy and happy and and yeah. you know, headshots galore, etc. Mm. Um, all right, well, I think that's everyone. Uh, we've done all the teams now, so. Um, any other points? Um, I would have to say, my point is I really like the veto system. We've talked about this already a bit, but I reckon the veto system was fantastic because it, it helped others, younger teams or, or less experienced teams, however you want to call them, lower seated teams, uh, get a bit of a moral look in um, and it expands the map for Australian CS as well uh, at the top level and hopefully that can filter down. Um, so I really like that veto system of ban ban one 
the other team bans one, then you pick, and then you pick, and that's for the best of two. So uh, good to see that in effect um, because, yeah, it's, it should force teams, if it's going to be the standard, to open up to six maps or, or yeah. five maps minimum and then hope for the best, I guess. Maybe we'll see CG pick it up. Hopefully CG will pick it up. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's up to them. Anyway, um, that's a small note. Uh, overall, um, it, for being at the event, it was a great to be at the event. It was great to meet people like Lee and uh, even the guys who came down to spectate uh, as well and all the players that got to chat to as well. Um, Gomez as well, he was floating around. Um, yeah, so it was good to see him to come down as well and, and Jim and, uh, and PK as well. Uh, came down and did some great casting and I was having a good old chuckle in the, in the crowd there, so... Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, really good, really good event. I thought, um, and, yeah, and I, I had a lot of fun casting it. They're copping a bad rap on the forums, but like, I mean, from a spectating point of view, if you're at home spectating, it sounds like it wasn't the most enjoyable. I was there on a Saturday, and there was a lot of games, so you could probably, you know, it's hard to to not really experience too many delays. Felt like I was watching pretty consistently throughout the Saturday, despite what other people are saying. Um, but I know on the Sunday when I attended. Um, it was a good setup, nice place. I mean, the pain in the ass to have to get 50 minutes there and a bit of a little maze to find your actual hall in, yeah. within the university yeah. itself. But um, you put all that aside and um, it was a good event um, from an attendee's point of view. Um, I'm just going off my again. Yeah, no, um, I really had a good time. And uh, thanks to the ACL guys for having me down to, to analysis and cast and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Willie, did you have anything to say, event in general or any other points, Counter-Strike related or, or, or people related, whatever it happens to be? Did you want to banter PK about his atrocious uh, attire? Oh, I think he's got enough of that flack already. He doesn't need any more from me. Um, I actually really liked it, so that just shows yeah. my, my my taste in, in clothing, apparently. But um, yeah. uh, I think, well, I was going to make a video about this. I don't know if I will because I'm sick and I've got a lot of stuff coming up, so maybe I won't. But I just I'll just touch on it hope, just hopefully briefly. Let's um, see. <laughs> I just yeah let's find out. Um, I was just gonna say I think this event showed um, that the gap between these tier one like, like tier one teams like uh, Chiefs, Vox Eminor, uh, Skyfire, X Five, and then these lower tier teams like pretty much everyone else. Um, isn't as big a gap as people think. Like the gap between Div 1 and Div 2 teams, I don't think is as big as people think. That's why um, for a long time now, I've sort of been harping on DEFCON, make Div 1 this a more elaborate format with more teams in it um, and like two separate stages um, so that everyone has to play out the first stage at least. And then the second stage is like a um, little ODC. And then from that, you get the eight seeds for LAN. Um, and yeah, that's that's why. Like, I think that's why. Like, Trident teams like Trident could absolutely dominate in a, in a format like that. But they, like, when they're playing Div Two, like, there's no real reason to do well in Div Two now, except to get into Div One. But there's all these other comps going on anyway, so sort of like you don't you don't necessarily have to worry that much. Like, so I I think yeah, when you look at the results of this map, this um, even though Skyfire did dominate, they still lost maps to Trident and Scythe. Which would never happen online, right? You'd never see that, or or in a different format, like you said. Like the, I think the picks and bands really, you know, Trident and Scythe definitely came prepared. Maybe Sky and maybe Skyfire underestimated them to an extent. But that's what I mean. When the map pool is that open, and teams come prepared, anything can happen on the day. And I, and as well, another thing is, 
these ten teams, uh, these eight teams rather, I think if you ran this tournament ten times, you'd have ten different top fours every time. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Just, just because it's good like, to bring it up because um, yeah. exactly like you said, the, you've got the top two and then three and four, little gap to three and four and maybe five. After that, another little gap. But you've got after that, you know, 12, 13, 14 teams who they play each other 10 times. You know, you're not going to get a consistent winner like all, you know, maybe five, six, seven out of 10. But like the point I'm making is that you flip a coin and uh, any team can beat the other on the day. And we're seeing that in Div 2, we're seeing that in ODCs, we're seeing that in, you know, Trident, you know, going ham on the weekend. Um, so I, I, I am a bit biased in the sense that I'm in, like, I, I like to think I'm in one of those teams that can compete in that bracket, but um, I, I totally agree that we should be looking to expand, uh, you know, the at least the divisions or maybe the sizes to get a few more teams with a bit of a look in and competing in, in competition uh, with those other higher level teams. We, yeah. I personally feel like we shouldn't be locking it out at eight when you've got a massive bracket of up to 14 teams that could all compete with, you know, anyone outside the top two. So yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's a really certainly. interesting time for the scene at the moment, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, and yeah, like you said, there's, there's evidently a skill gap between our, our two best teams, Immunity and Renegades. But then after that, it is a lot closer than people think. And it's more of a slow decline in ability rather than a... You know, yeah. like a bar graph, for jump. example. Yeah. yeah, big jumps and whatnot. Um, yeah. For you, sort Willie, of... I don't know whether you're looking at the Twitch chat, but uh, Cyanide from Cybergamer said, uh, on your point about the format for Div 1, he said, uh-huh. things will be much different next year. I can't say much at the moment, but will be much different. He's looking forward to a great year next year. So potentially... Now, now's the time to be breaking that news, <laughs> Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so... Um, it would be good to, yeah. good to see someone else as well. And, yeah, obviously um, picking teams for Div 1 and Div 2 and all that sort of stuff. And I know uh, we flung a whole bunch of DEF CON about <laughs> trying to be in Div 2 on the weekend. But having said that, he made a decision on what was there in Hard Science 2020 and evidently. Yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah uh, as far no as I know, that was, they were hampered with their, you know, their time frames up until the Div yeah. 1 finals. Um, so it's understandable to a degree because I know they're originally looking at 12 teams in Division 1. Mm. Um, and the, the time they were waiting for, you know, sponsors and everyone to get on board and iron it all out, lock it all in, meant that they're only left with a smaller time frame and can only lock in these eight teams. But it's unfortunate because you've got teams, you know, like Control VP, who, you know, you could, there's an argument there to say they're not Div 1, but there's an argument there to say they are. And at the yeah. end of the day, they're, sure. they're not playing any division because of what's happened. Um, yeah. You've so, got to remember as well that on this point that if you expand Div 1 to, say, 16 or 18 teams, whatever it happens to be, is that the people who are at the bottom end of that get to prac, they get to play matches against Div 1 teams in competition. And yeah. I cannot stress that that is such an important thing. You don't have these lands anymore, so you don't get to go to a land and play Div 1 quite caliber teams. So playing that online is the next best thing we've got. Yeah, and, and those that, teams who are sitting outside that bracket, unless they're kind of in the scene a little, especially lately, yeah. the scene is kind of interbreeding the way it practices. It's quite hard for teams in low Div 2 and CGA in that bracket to get involved unless you know somebody. And so, um, you know, if you kind of break that top eight up a bit and make it, you know, say, for example, top 16, they get a lot more exposure to that level of play. They develop faster. Um, you know, they make stronger relationships. There's there's a lot to be said, I think, for expanding it out from the top eight. And I think the admins are starting to, you know, click onto that and hopefully we see a change soon. 
Yeah, in defence of the admins, because I've done quite a bit of this sort of stuff back in 1.6 in particular. I'm not involved in the admin side of things. That Things are inherently more complex than it appears. It's not a matter of sitting back and going, yeah, we'll have 16 teams this year for Div 1. Because as we saw, um, the CG guys came out with, yeah, we're going to do eight teams for Div 1 or whatever. Uh, finals will be online. But then we go through and then you know a couple of weeks later it's hey we're doing pax finals pax is awesome so evidently yeah. it's, it's it's tough to work out those sorts of things and and i know that it's always not as simple as it looks to be um uh, and Definitely. Sinai's making a, a really good point now on chat as well that um the other challenge is, is that they're not just doing div one they're doing div one they're doing div two they're doing cga um the cga has expanded from 70 to 130 teams and that gives you a massive size of pool of players as well. So they've got to admin sure. all that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah so. but offsetting that, I mean, the size and the total total number of teams doesn't change whether you have 18 in Div 1 or 32 in Div 1 or 64. You know, you still have the same total number of teams. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to take away from you saying it is a yeah. lot of work running these what competitions. Saying, and what I think he's, it's totally underrated. Yeah, what he's saying there is that there's more people in the scene now that are playing in CG competitively. So... He's not talking about making division smaller or bigger or whatever it happens to be, but yeah, we, we've got more people in there and that puts on more work on the admins. So, But anyway, um, we're getting yeah, <laughs> massively off topic, but I'm cool with that. It's 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 a stream. We can do this. Um, and, uh, I just had to get it out there, you know. Yeah, no, no, it's 100%. Just, uh, so that's good. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks very much for everyone who came along on chat. Uh, hi to Brucey and Vibes who have been sitting there in particular. Um haven't said much or much but it's sort of uh popping up there as well and uh thanks very much everyone who joined in on the stream uh hopefully we'll do i'll probably be doing some more of this sort of stuff in the future and i'll get you guys involved as well if there's something in particular uh crown invitational this weekend the peanut gallery going to be doing a stream as well as uh a full for it as well so make sure you tune in on this weekend for the and the guys who win this go into the second day who play the eight invited teams who then go down into four teams yeah. for the day before uh, at Crown, well, at Crown Venue on the Friday, and then there's those two teams go against Cloud9 and VP in a Crown Invitational. So that's the next big thing in the CSGO scene, um, and I'm really, really looking forward to it because it's going to be massive for us overall. Imagine you have a Trident going ham and taking down you know, Cloud9 or a, or a VP, it'll be <laughs> yeah. insane. And I will add as well for everyone playing on at home, speaking to Gomez on the weekend, is that they're not... Um, uh, they're not renegades are not 100% attending the crown invitational yet because they have another commitment or commitments at the same time but they're trying very hard to get there so don't assume that renegades are going to rock up and take one of the slots I, I, I like as much as I wouldn't want them competing because it opens it up for my own team to have a dip not you know it's, it's just, it opens it up for more teams to have a dip mm. um, I think it's important that they get there if they can because this is the first massive event where we've had international teams 100%. in the country and you don't want teams getting stomped you've so, got to remember also that renegades are friends with these guys um friends with clan nine a bit and and the vp guys as well so mm. they want to be there as well but it's a logistical thing and commitments and like i said before yeah. with the admin stuff everything's WA guys yeah, more complex than it place. appears so yeah. um anyway uh hopefully they can get there it'll be good to see them there it'll be good to see i am there all that sort of stuff so anyway let's wrap it up there before we run into like 11 p.m and this video is like seven hours long um thanks very much Wooly. thanks very much for great having you guys on again um, pleasure 
Absolutely. Really good points all there. I had a great time discussing this. Um, I thought I would have thought after two days of casting and being on the analysis desk that I've run out of points. No, we haven't. Probably could have talked all night. Talked to the cast cover, mate. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I had a, a really big request earlier on the stream, the chat stream for this, so let's hopefully this works. But I'm going to play us out with Darude Sandstorm. <laughs> Great. Hopefully this works. We'll see how it comes through on volume and whatnot. My computer is lagging for some reason. Sandstorm's too strong. <laughs> it's coming through. The anticipation is killing me. You guys probably aren't going to be here, but um, it is coming through. You could make some sort of epic pose now, like... Some standstorm. No, <laughs> I don't get involved in sandstorm. I'm good. Yeah, there it is. All right, guys. Uh, thanks very much. And, and uh, yeah, we'll catch this around. Keep it real. Cheers. Cheers. Sandstorm's not going. Da -da -da -da.